Hello and welcome to episode number 67 of the AFTV Newscast, being recorded December 30th, 2016. My name is Elias Saba, and this is where I talk about the week's Fire TV news. Sorry about missing last week's episode. I hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. I hope you guys got what you wanted under the Christmas tree and you're ready for, for the big 2017 next year. Uh, I know I am really excited. Should should be some good things. Got some decent amount of stuff to talk about considering this is pretty much the slowest week probably of the entire year as far as news goes. But we've got some rooting news, got some Fire TV stick ROM and TWRP news to talk about. Uh, also going to take this opportunity uh, probably right after the news just before I get into the Q&A section to uh, do a little bit of 2017 predictions here. Uh, I'll probably run down Amazon predictions, Google predictions, Apple predictions, uh, my own predictions, that is, just to kind of, you know, people like to hear that stuff at the end of the year, it seems. Uh, some people like to do yearly summaries or yearly roundups. I don't like to do that stuff. That stuff's in the past. Let's look at the future, what I think is going to happen, what I think is going to come out. Before we get into that, though, just a quick reminder, I will very likely be missing next week's episode, so you probably won't have an episode next week. Uh, I will be attending CES. I still don't know the exact dates that I'm going to be there. Right now, it seems like it's going to be Tuesday through Thursday, possibly Friday, maybe Wednesday through Friday. I'm not completely sure yet, but either way, I won't be able to record an episode because of just the travel and me not having all of my equipment and all that stuff. Uh, hopefully, if there's something interesting, I'll be recording video while I'm there, and I'll try to edit that together into some kind of little CES special episode. No promises there because I don't know. I've never been to CES. I don't know if I'm going to really record anything interesting while I'm there or not, but we'll just see. So let's go ahead and get right into things. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is that the Fire TV 2 running the 5.2.1.1 software version. Now that's the latest software version, not counting the new interface, the new 5.2.4.0 update that just just basically finished rolling out. So pretty much all devices should have received it unless you had updates blocked. But basically the 5.2.1.1 update was previously not rootable for the Fire TV 2, but now it is using the King Root utility. If you recall back when King Root was first discovered that it was, you know, able to root the Fire TV and the Fire TV stick, uh, back when the 5.0.5.1 software update came out, that basically blocked the routing method that King Root used on those devices. So now, whatever King Root has done to their app, they've updated it to where it can now actually root the latest 5.2.1.1 and older on the Fire TV 2 only. Now, unfortunately, Fire TV Stick, Fire TV Stick 2, and the Fire TV 1 still cannot be rooted on this 5.2.1.1 software update. Now, that's a shame because that's the latest version on the Fire TV 1 and the Fire TV Stick 1. It would have been really nice if this new version of the King Root utility was able to root those older devices just because all of those are still on that 5.2.1.1 update. Uh, the new interface, the new 5.2.4.0 update has not started rolling out for those older first-gen devices yet. Uh, Amazon has stated that, that second-gen devices are going to get the, that new interface first, which has already happened, and then now the the first-gen devices will eventually get that. I imagine it's going to happen early next year, probably in January, my guess. Uh, they haven't announced an actual date yet for that, though. 
So I'll put a link down below as, as you'd expect for, to this article that kind of explains what you're supposed to do. I didn't write a full-on guide on how to root Fire TV 2 on 5.2.1.1 just because it's fairly straightforward. You basically just download the, the King Root utility, uh, the 5.0.1 version and the 4.9.6 version have been confirmed to work. And I believe that that 5.0.1 is the latest one. So you could just go to King Root's website, which again, I'll put a link down below to that. And you could just download the utility, sideload it onto the, uh, your Fire TV to basically run it. I think you need a mouse to, to actually run the utility. Run it, it roots it. And then in this article, I've linked to my guide on how to install TWRP and then my guide on how to use TWRP to install a pre-rooted ROM. So those have not changed. You know, once your device is rooted, you can still follow those older guides. I've linked them there. I've also updated my rooting starters guide. You can get to that at aftvnews.com slash start. Uh, basically, I've updated that. So if you go there, you hit Fire TV 2, you select the 5.2.1.1 software version or whichever software version you're running, and then it'll basically guide you uh, through the steps, you know, telling you to download the King Root utility, root using that, then follow this guide for TWRP, and then this guide for pre-rooted ROMs. Uh, the reason you want to do the pre-rooted ROMs, uh, and also from TWRP, you're going to want to do a factory reset after you've done the uh, the actual rooting with King Root. The reason you want to do all of that is because King Root installs a whole bunch of junk on your device, and the only way to really be 100% sure that you've got rid, rid of all that junk is to one, do a factory reset afterwards and two, to install a pre-rooted ROM. That way you've got all of the system side covered and then you've got all of the data, the actual user data side covered. It gets completely wiped when you do that factory reset and you do that installation of the pre-rooted ROM. So again, link down below to everything you need to know about that. Next up, really big news, something a lot of people have been waiting for. Uh, Rbox, the guy who creates all of the pre-rooted ROMs and the TWRP custom recovery for the Fire TV devices, has finally released his Fire TV Stick 1 custom recovery and pre-rooted ROMs. Now, what that means, for those who don't know, if you have a Fire TV Stick 1, the first generation Fire TV Stick, uh, and you've rooted that with the older either King Root or the King O Root utility, both of those could root different software versions. Again, I've got guides to all of that stuff you can find it at my, my starters guide again aftvnews.com slash start you just select your device and you select your software version and it tells you all of your routing options and all the different steps you're supposed to follow so definitely go there if you're interested in this stuff but previously we had root for the first gen fire tv stick the second gen fire tv stick has not been rooted in case anybody's wondering but the first gen fire tv stick was rooted a while ago a lot of people are on that a lot of people rooted and blocked software updates but you're unable to update to newer software versions because those newer software versions are not rootable. But now you can because Rbox has thankfully released his TWRP custom recovery. Uh, custom recovery basically is what Android uses or recovery in, in a sense is what Android uses to essentially install the operating system. It's, it's called recovery because if something happens to your device, you can go into recovery, you boot into recovery and then use that to actually modify the operating system of the device. And so with custom recovery, TWRP is a type of custom recovery that allows you to basically, you know, install whatever you want as the operating system. And in this case, you install these pre-rooted ROMs, which are a already rooted version of the complete stock software update. 
So Arbox has released the pre-rooted ROM for 5.2.1.1 and that basically gets you updated to what's the current latest version of the Fire TV Stick 1 and it lets you keep rooting and I've written a full guide on how to do all of it. So uh, the only thing that this guide does not include is how to actually root the device. Again, very straightforward. You just either install the King Root utility or the King O Root utility, uh, run it, it'll do the rooting assuming you have a software version that it is still compatible with. And then you can follow this guide. It's very thorough, very detailed. It'll show you how to uh, install the TWRP custom recovery. It'll show you how to do the factory reset from within there. It'll show you how to block software updates because when you do the factory reset, it's going to force you to go through the initial setup process for the Fire TV Stick. And when you do that, the device is going to check and try to install software updates. Again, if you're installing the latest software version, you don't really care about the software updates, but a lot of people want to install older software versions like 5.0.5 because that's still compatible with that older Firestarter uh, launcher app that people like. So this guide goes through all of those steps start to finish to get you to the nice clean perfect Fire TV stick rooted latest pre-rooted ROM or whatever version you want custom recovery all that good stuff. So of course I'll put a link down below to this guide and to my my rooting starters guide because again it'll it incorporates this guide into it just to get you started if you don't know where to start. So next up I wrote this article entitled, Amazon Needs to Make a TV. Uh, this is a opinion piece. It's not based on any facts that I have or anything like that, but it's something I've been thinking about for a while and I wanted to get it out there. And we had, a again, a, a slow week this week being the last week of 2016. So I figured this was a good time to write this article. While the title says Amazon needs to make a TV, I don't necessarily mean that. It was just easier to write than what I really mean, which is I think Amazon needs to get Fire OS, the, the basically the operating system that runs on the Fire TV, I think they need to get that running on a television without actually having to have an external box or a stick or something connected to it. So not necessarily them themselves manufacturing a TV, but maybe partnering with a TV manufacturer to use the, the Fire OS, to use the Fire TV operating system on an actual production television where, where you basically just buy the TV. When you boot it up, you're looking at the Fire TV interface. You know, that's basically what I what I mean by by this article and by this title. So the reason I think that Amazon needs to do that, uh, it's not necessarily because I think that is a better option than buying something like the Fire TV or a Fire TV stick. It's actually the opposite. I personally don't really put a lot of faith in smart TV operating systems. Um, you know, when I shop for a TV or when I recommend a TV somebody, I, I don't look at the operating system whatsoever. I look at the specs, I look at the features, I look at the inputs, look at the resolution, look at the technology. Is it LCD? Is it LED? Is it OLED? All of that good stuff. Is it 4K? Is it UHD? That stuff to me is way more important than the actual, you know, what apps the TV itself will run or what operating system it possibly runs. You know, to me, that's at the end. And I, I personally would not pay extra to, you know, for example, get this operating system over this operating system. Again, I really don't care about that stuff. I just want the TV to be just a dumb monitor for my external stuff. Now, now that I've said that, you might think it's weird that I wrote this article and why I think Amazon needs to actually put Fire OS onto a television. I think because the way things are going, these operating systems are going to get better and better for, for smart TVs. And you've already got Android TV 
uh, running on TVs right off the bat. Sony has adopted them. Philips is, and I think Sharp also has put it on some of their, their televisions. Uh, you've got Chromecast, basically, the Chrome OS uh, running on Vizio TVs. So basically, uh, the TV ships with a tablet and you use that to control and send everything that you want, like Netflix and Amazon and all that stuff. You use the tablet to basically send content to the TV and the TV itself doesn't actually install apps or anything like that. So in that sense, that's kind of like, you know, Chromecast has become a TV operating system in a sense because Vizio is shipping it with that capability built into their televisions. Then you've got Roku with their own OS shipping on TCL TVs. So you can buy a Roku TV that when you boot up, you've got Roku there. Samsung's working on their own little interface and it's getting a little better here and there. Uh, LG has their WebOS-based interface. Uh, WebOS was a smartphone platform that, that was made by Palm and then it got picked up by HP and then eventually got sold to LG. Uh, that OS has gone through a lot, but now it's basically running uh, LG's operating system and so you can have apps and you can have like a Air mouse that lets you select options and select things like that. So basically, televisions are, you know, in a transition phase right now, just like smartphones were, you know, maybe about a decade ago or so, where... All the manufacturers kind of have their own OS. Some of them are using uh, other companies' OS like Android TV, for example, like Chromecast, like Roku. And I think in the future, eventually, these TVs are going to get good enough to where very few people are actually buying external boxes to plug in, external sticks to plug into the TV because they're all going to have a pretty decent OS. I mean, Android TV already is pretty good. You know, it's almost on par, in my opinion, with Fire TV's OS. Uh, I think Fire TV's better than Android. We'll talk about that down in when I get to the actual prediction part of this episode. But for the average consumer, when these TVs and these OSs uh, specifically get good enough, they're not going to really feel the need to buy something like the, the Fire TV or Fire TV Stick or Apple TV or an actual Android TV box or a Roku box. You know, it's just going to be you buy a new TV. It can basically do 95, 99% of what your average consumer wants it to do, which is run Netflix and watch Amazon videos and watch YouTube videos and maybe even install a few games here and there. I mean, Android TV, it has a whole bunch of games you can install, you know, just like the Fire TV. So I think if Amazon themselves don't get Fire OS running on a television, they're going to be left behind, you know. Uh, the Fire TV will probably still, well, not just the Fire TV, external boxes in general, in my opinion, will probably still be far superior than anything actually running by default on a television, you know, the actual OS of the television. You know, I don't think that's going to change. I think those external boxes are still going to be more powerful, more feature-packed. That's probably still going to be the case. But for most people, they're probably going to be fine. They're probably going to be happy with what they've got. I mean, that's the case right now. You buy a TV, a lot of these OSs are clunky. They're slow. It takes forever to load apps. The apps are outdated. The interfaces are pretty horrible. And a lot of people still use them, you know, that they don't bother buying an external box because, hey, they're, you know, even their DVD player or their Blu-ray player can run Netflix. And a lot of people use that as their main way to watch streaming content is through the clunky interface on their Blu-ray player, you know. People, you'd be surprised, you know. I mean, I'm sure people watching this episode are, are home theater enthusiasts just like myself and would never use that clunky, slow interface that might come on a, on a TV or a, a poor OS on a TV. And you'd always go with something like the Fire TV or the Fire TV Stick. But since most people are not that way, I think Amazon needs to get uh, their OS on TV so that when people are at the store 
buying TVs, comparing TVs, there's a that there is that option. And you know, Fire OS, in my opinion, is one of the best interfaces out there. And putting that up against most of the smart TV interfaces, I think a lot of people would select the the Fire OS uh, operating system for for a television's OS. Now, like I was saying earlier, I highly doubt Amazon would actually manufacture a television on their own and an actual Amazon branded TV and put that on the site alongside, you know, the Fire TV box, you know, or the tablets or something like that. Just because, you know, from what I've read article wise, I mean, I haven't done like a big analysis on this, but from what I've read, uh, profit margins on TVs are pretty slim. You, there's just not that much money to make in a TV. It's an expensive product, but you're really not making that much money, which is like, you know, worse of both worlds. If you're selling an expensive product, you want that profit margin to be big just to, you know, make up for all that inventory you have to keep and all that stuff because there's that potential of the actual TVs not selling and, you know, all that stuff. So I imagine uh, Amazon will, partner with some TV manufacturer I don't know who you know maybe TCL maybe the the little no-name ones uh, it would be really great to get Vizio on board even though Vizio has kind of gone all in on Chromecast lately but Vizio is a great you know American TV company they're they're making good stuff and I'd love to see a Fire TV OS running on a Vizio but I imagine TV manufacturers like Se Seiki I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right TCL um Emerson, I think, is another one. Westinghouse, I believe, is another one. Um, those kind of, you know, lower brand uh, TV manufacturers. I would assume they've got clunky OSs as it is right now. They're probably not investing much money in software on their TVs just because, you know, it's all about the hardware and getting that as cheap as possible. And if you have a big software team working on the OS of your TV, that just means your TVs have to be a little bit more expensive. And when you're competing with that bottom of the barrel price point that these like lower manufacturers are competing with i would imagine that they would jump on the the chance to get something like fire os for free I, I would hope that amazon would position it as a free completely free os free option for these manufacturers and they wouldn't actually charge a licensing fee or anything like that that's what i would assume because i uh, you know android tv is the same way where google basically gives that away for free and that's why sony and phillips and sharp are jumping on that and i would assume in 2017 we're going to see a lot more manufacturers jumping on to Android TV. And so, you know, yeah, that's just my opinion. Uh, good discussion going on in the comments of this post. I'll put a link down below as always. There's 48 comments as of uh, this recording here. And so a lot of people discussing what they think about TVs, what they think about OSs on TVs, whether they buy an Amazon TV and that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, that's just something I wanted to put out there uh, just to get you, get you thinking about things. All right, next up, I want to talk about the uh, Fire TV's remote app. That's the uh, app that you can install on mobile devices or, or tablets that can be used to actually control your Fire TV. I mentioned in the last episode that the app was not compatible with the new interface because the new interface no longer had a favoriting capability, whereas you had the option to actually launch favorited apps from within the Fire TV remote app. So because that option to favorite apps on the new interface was gone, the Fire TV remote app had no longer the ability to actually launch these apps remotely. But uh, heard from Amazon that they were going to update the app to actually add that ability back in for the new interface. And sure enough, they've done that uh, last week or so. So in the latest version of this app, which is already available on the Google Play Store, the iOS uh, App Store, and the Amazon App Store, uh, the little icon in the top right corner has returned where you can, you can hit it and you actually get to see your entire app list for your Fire TV in the order that it is in already on your Fire TV's interface. And from there, you can just tap to launch any app you want. Uh, the really nice thing is, is they've gone another step beyond that and where if you tap and hold on any of those apps within the Fire TV remote app, 
they all jiggle a little bit and you can actually move them around and reorder where your apps actually line up and what order they're in in the remote app. And then that order that you actually create in the remote app gets reflected on the Fire TV also. So if you have a whole bunch of apps installed on your Fire TV, it's probably a lot easier to put them in a, a, the nice order that you want them to be in using the remote app as opposed to actually you know, using your remote control to go to the app, hit the menu button, select move, and then you pick it picks up the app and then you have to use the arrow buttons to move it around exactly where you want, hit the OK button, blah, blah, blah. In other words, it's a little tedious to do if you have a lot of apps to move around on with the actual remote control for the Fire TV. So it's nice they added this feature to the remote app so that you could do it with, you know, much easier on a touch screen, move them around, and then that, that change stays on the Fire TV itself. Side-loaded apps appear on the remote app just as they appeared before on the previous version with the older interface. So there's no worries there. If you've got Kodi or anything else side-loaded, you'll see the icon on the app. You'll be able to move it around the same way you can any other regular official, you know, actual, you know, Amazon App Store app and you can launch it and everything everything's good there. So so side la- side loaded apps are equivalent to regular official apps. Uh, the other thing that the the new update added is very very minor. There's actually a new icon in the upper left of it. You can see here on the video version if you're watching. It looks like a little settings icon, but unfortunately it doesn't actually jump you into the settings. What it actually does what it actually does is launch the shortcut menu on the Fire TV. That's the menu you see when you actually press and hold the home button on the remote control. So instead of actually having to press and hold the little on-screen touchscreen home button in the remote app, you could just tap that button there and it, it launches that and shows you the clock and shows you your settings, shows you your app shortcuts and, and lets you put the Fire TV to sleep and that sort of stuff. So a little minor thing. I actually personally would have preferred that that just jumps you directly into settings instead of doing that uh, you know little app shortcut thing that pops up just because you could still do that by pressing and holding the home button on the remote app. But... Yeah, for whatever reason, Amazon decided to, to add a little dedicated button for that feature. Um, so yeah, I'll put a links down below to uh, directly to the remote app if you've never installed it or anything, both on the Google Play Store, iOS, and Amazon App Store. All right, next up, let's move on to some app news. Not too much uh, as far as big apps uh, being released in this last week or two again because it is the the end of the year and a lot of people are on vacation and so not, not a lot of new stuff comes out uh, during this time period but ABC has actually updated their app long overdue uh, for the Fire TV and the Fire TV Stick, uh, they had already a, what was called the Watch ABC app. It was released back right around when the Fire TV Stick 1 came out. And that app was actually only released for the Fire TV Box 1. And it was never updated ever since then. And it was never actually brought to the newer devices or the Fire TV Stick, or Fire TV Stick 2, or the Fire TV Box 2. All of them did not have access to the ABC app, unfortunately. But finally, ABC has changed that. They've updated their app. It's a brand new app all new interface they've also released a freeform app this is their their kind of their network that used to be called abc family i believe now it's called freeform so there's a separate app for that network and then there's this abc app no longer called watch abc just regular abc so this new app is available for all fire tv devices new and old box or stick uh, thankfully uh, it's a pretty nice app too so you've actually got a decent amount of free content that you can watch without having to actually activate the app with a cable subscription uh, if you do have a 
cable subscription, you can activate the app that'll unlock more content and also unlock a, a feature that is missing from the vast majority of network apps and that is live streaming. So the app itself does have live streaming capabilities uh, in certain markets. You can expect, you know, the big ones, the San Francisco's LA, New York, Chicago, that sort of stuff. Uh, there's a list down in my article. I'll link to it for those of you who want to check to see if uh, the live streaming is available in your area. But again, unfortunately, there is no option to live stream if you have not activated the app and you don't have an actual cable subscription. So yeah, definitely check it out. It's a good app, even if you don't have that cable subscription, a lot of decent content in there. Pretty clear within the app which content you can actually stream for free with ads without a cable subscription and which ones you need to actually unlock with a cable subscription. So overall, very nice improvement, very nice app for the Fire TV and the Fire TV Stick. Next up in app news, I wanted to talk about Minecraft for a second. Uh, Minecraft is pretty much the biggest game, most popular game on the Fire TV itself. Uh, previously, Minecraft Pocket Edition, which is their mobile version, you know, they've got regular Minecraft that runs on PCs, and then the version that runs on Android and iOS is called the Pocket Edition. And so that version, the Minecraft Pocket Edition, was also the version that ran on the Fire TVs, uh, the one and two. But my, Mojang, the developers of Minecraft, have actually removed the capability of Minecraft Pocket Edition from running on the Fire TV devices and have actually released a new Minecraft Fire TV Edition for the Fire TV uh, one and two. So it's not really clear why they've done this, why Pocket Edition, you know, which was working just fine on the on the devices, on the Fire TV devices, uh, has been removed and this new Fire TV exclusive edition has been added. Uh, from what I can tell, the two versions are pretty much identical. That I haven't found a single difference in the actual game itself. You still have access to the same exact world. You still have access to the same exact features in there. They both have the latest new version 1.0 update that just got released for Minecraft. The only difference I've seen between the Minecraft Pocket Edition and the Minecraft Fire TV Edition, and it's a big unfortunate change, is that the Minecraft Pocket Edition, which was $6.99, is still $6.99, but this new Fire TV Edition is $19.99, a significant price increase for what is essentially the same app, uh, or same game that is. I've shot an email over to Mojang. I haven't gotten a response yet. I asked them why split them into two different apps? Why the much higher price for the Fire TV version? Again, I haven't received a, re a response. I'll definitely update my article if they ever do respond to my little inquiry there. But the one bright side to all of this is that if you have already purchased Minecraft Pocket Edition uh, before December 19th, then you will get the Fire TV Edition for free. Uh, the actual Fire TV Edition app itself says to go ahead and just buy and purchase the app and you're supposed to not be charged for it. That is the Fire TV Edition of Minecraft. But if you do get charged, you can just contact Amazon's customer support. I'll put a link down below for that and they'll refund you that money, that $19.99 that, that you spent on the Fire TV Edition. So if you've already bought the Pocket Edition for the Fire TV, as long as it was before December 19th when this change occurred, then you basically will get the Fire TV Edition for free. So you don't have to pay more or pay twice or, or anything like that. So I'll put a link down below to the Fire TV Edition for you to go and make that purchase. Hopefully you won't get charged. If you do, I'll also put a link down below to the actual direct customer service link for Amazon and they'll just go ahead and refund you that money immediately, hopefully. 
Next up, I want to talk about this big Fire TV game sale that's going on right now. This is part of Digital Day. It's Amazon's big like digital sales event that's going on today, actually, December 30th. But it seems like this sale is actually going to last beyond just today. So if you're listening to this in the future, uh, you should still check in on these if you're interested in any of this stuff. A lot of big name games have gone on sale for right around 50% off. So Jackbox has dropped their games uh, to down to 50%. So you've got the Jackbox Party Pack 1 that's down from $24.99 to $12.50. That includes five games, I believe. The Party Pack 2, same thing, same price, $24.99 down to $12.50. Also includes five games. And then their, their standalone game, Quiplash, is down half price to $5. Uh, Ouya Games, which is now a publishing division, you know, no longer an actual manufacturer. It was Razer who actually picked up Ouya and now is using the name to actually just release games uh, by other developers under. There are three games there. I won't really list them all right now, but three games there that are half off also. Uh, Yippie Games is another developer that has three games that are half off. Square Enix, big name there. Uh, all four of the, the Final Fantasy games, 3, 4, 5, and 6, are half off from $15.99 to $7.99. And also their Adventures of Mana game is also down half price from $14 down to seven dollars there uh, and then a, a few other random games uh, machinarium which is a really nice game i love this game highly recommended for you guys to pick up it's usually 4.99 down to 2.49 this game i think has only been on sale once before uh, so it's very rare for this game to go on sale doom and destiny is also on sale riptide gp on sale adventures of poco i've never really heard of that one myself uh, cyboid is on sale i think that sale ends tomorrow actually the developer contacted me and then Ticket to Ride, which you guys have probably already picked up because I talked about in the past. It's currently free, normally $6.99. So I'll put a link down below to this article that lists all of these games. And also just go ahead and put a link down to uh, that'll take you to all of these different games for you to check out immediately whether the sale's still going so you can pick these up. The last deal that I wanted to mention is that the Fire TV game controller, normally $49.99, currently still on sale for $39.99. So if you wanted to pick that up to play some of those on-sale games, that would be a good time for that. Mostly because in addition to getting it on sale for the for the $10 off, which is rare on its own, uh, Amazon is also currently giving away 550 Amazon coins, which is right around a $5 value for free when you buy the game controller. No no code necessary, no special link. Uh, I'll put a link down below to the game controller itself, but just go through the regular checkout process. And then within, I think, 48 hours of actually making the purchase, you'll actually just get an email telling you that the 550 Amazon coins has been added to your account. Uh, the coins get added to the account that made the purchase for the actual game controller. So make sure you, you buy the game controller using the account that you want the actual coins added to. So the combination of the game controller being $10 off plus this $5 worth of Amazon coins pretty much makes this the best deal ever for this Amazon game controller. This is the official game controller from Amazon. Personally, my pick for the best game controller for the Fire TV. I know there are a lot of other options. PlayStation 4's controller works with the Fire TV. Xbox's makes uh, their controllers work for the Fire TV. Also, there are a lot of other Android-based Bluetooth controllers. But personally, I found nothing works as smoothly and as good as Amazon's official game controller. So if you've been thinking about picking this up, I think the deal lasts maybe another week or so. So definitely get on this quickly. 
Moving on to some non-specific Fire TV news, but still somewhat related to the Fire TV and to streaming and to Amazon in general. Uh, Alexa has actually gained some new capabilities recently. It's kind of been a a, a hidden release in a sense because Amazon hasn't made it official or anything, but Alexa can now answer follow-up questions. Uh, What that means is basically it remembers the context of what you just asked it and actually uses that to answer follow-up questions, you know, additional questions. So one example I give in my article is if you, for example, ask who is the shortest NBA player, Alexa will respond with Muggsy Bogues and then you can respond with how tall is he? And so by saying he and not saying Muggsy Bogues specifically, Alexa knows that you're referring to what it just answered you and then it'll respond with Muggsy Bogues is five foot three. And so that's the kind of contextual, you know, follow-up questions that we're talking about. Now, Google's Assistant is very good at this. Siri is okay at this. And now finally, Alexa has added uh, this capability kind of limited. Another example of this working is, uh, if, for example, you ask Alexa for what time a certain business opens, you know, you just name a business name. Once you get a response with when the business opens, you can then ask what's their phone number, for example, and then Alexa will tell you their phone number without actually having you say the business name again so this stuff previously was not working some people have said that they thought it was always there but it it really wasn't Um, it just maybe seemed like it but now this kind of makes interacting with Alexa a little bit more natural I have definitely found areas where I expect it to work but it doesn't you know where I'll ask a follow-up question and Alexa will just have no idea what I'm talking about even though it just basically answered a question related to what I'm just asking so Definitely is kind of working here and there. So, uh, you know, use it when you think it's convenient to use. Hopefully, Alexa will respond correctly. But if it doesn't work, then you'll have to be more specific and actually, you know, explicitly tell it what you're talking about. Next up, I wanted to briefly mention that Amazon has finally (laughs) created a dedicated page where you can go in and see your no rush credit balance. Uh, If you're confused, what that means is if you're a Prime member, uh, oftentimes when you buy something from Amazon, you have the option to select a slower shipping method. They call this the no rush method uh, in exchange for some kind of credit. You know, usually it's like a dollar credit on digital media or, or sometimes it's like five dollars to use in in amazon's pantry service or or amazon's fresh grocery service you know that sort of stuff so it's like these incentives for choosing something other than the the two-day free shipping for prime members and so in the past you've been able to go to this one page and kind of see a breakdown of your credit but it wasn't like listed each credit by itself or anything like that. Uh, but this new page, I'll link it down below for those of you interested to check to see what's your you no rush credit balance like. This new page actually lists each individual credit along with when it expires, which is a huge thing because previously you had no way to know when it expired unless you personally kept track of it or, or kept those emails that Amazon would send you. So it seems like a small thing, but I know a lot of people have been asking for this. I actually get emails specifically about this because a lot of people uh, have credit they don't know when it's going to expire they don't know if they should use it now or use it or save it to you know accumulate more and then maybe buy a movie with it or something like that so there's a dedicated page i'll put a link down below you can go and check that out and check out your credit and know more about that stuff Next up, very briefly, we've actually got our first images of the uh, official, what seems to be the official new NVIDIA Shield TV. Uh, we've known for a while now because uh, we I found those FCC documents of a new NVIDIA Shield remote control 
game controller and actual box that have gone through the FCC. So we're expecting a new second generation NVIDIA Shield. Uh, NVIDIA Shield TV is pretty much the best Android TV based streaming box out there. You've got a few other options, but definitely the Shield TV is by far the best one. So that's why a lot of people are, are looking forward to the next generation device. So it's uh, Android Police actually that got these images you can see here if you're watching the video version, the game controller itself looks a little funkier. It looks like the uh, touchpad on the controller is no more. Uh, it's not as big and fat as it used to be. The actual remote control looks right around the same, maybe a little bit shorter than the old one. And the box itself looks like it's shrunk quite a bit. Uh, Android Police actually received two different images or they've uncovered or a source or I don't know exactly where they got it, but they received two different images of the second gen shield. One that's showing a larger device, kind of more close to the size of the first gen shield TV and a second image showing a much smaller device. So it's not clear if they're going to repackage the first gen Nvidia Shield TV with the new peripherals or if they're actually going to re release two different models but my guess is that the smaller version is probably the one that's going to be more popular most likely it's the one that's going to be weaker than the first gen Shield TV so that they can bring that price down compete a little bit better with the Fire TV with the Fire TV sticks we don't know much about specs we're expecting the the Shield to be announced officially the second gen Shield that is to be announced officially at CES at Nvidia's keynote presentation which I believe is happening on January 4th. Uh, I will hopefully be there and be covering it firsthand. So look look for that coverage in the near future. But here's, here's what it looks like. I'll put a link down below to this article for those of you listening to just the audio version so you can check it out. And the last bit of news I wanted to cover is that Sling TV, it seems like, is going to release their own Android-powered set-top box, essentially. Uh, these uh, images were found by Dave Zatz of Zatz Not Funny. Uh, it shows a white and blue box with a remote control. Uh, it's supposed to run some kind of version of Android. Not sure if it's their own unique version, like the Fire TV has, or if it's actually Android TV with maybe a different skin on top or, or a different launcher or a different app or something like that. But it looks like a very simple set-top box uh, runs uh, the Sling TV main interface essentially as its OS it looks like. Also has Netflix capabilities built in. So we, we know there are at least some app, some app support there because Netflix uh, works with this device. But the big thing that it actually has that no other set-top box has is actually over-the-air HD antenna support. So you can actually take this box, plug in an HD antenna, which doesn't seem like it's included, and actually get over-the-air channels mixed in to your actual Sling TV content. So if you're a Sling TV subscriber and you want over-the-air channels and you also could use Netflix, which probably encompasses a lot of people, this box might actually be for you. Uh, no word on when it's actually going to be released. Oh, it's called the Air TV Player. That's the official name of it. Uh, we don't know when it's going to be released. Don't know how much it's going to cost. But, you know, uh, you guys who are probably listening to this who have Fire TVs probably won't be that interested in this. But this might be a fairly popular little box for those who are just getting into the whole cord cutting world. Because if you don't really care about apps and you don't really care about HBO and all these kinds of services and you just want a cable TV like experience maybe with a little Netflix on top, this box is probably one of the best options for, for people just getting into things who don't want to, to mess with any anything as complicated as a Fire TV. Not that it's complicated. 
Next up, before we get into the actual Q&A section of the episode, uh, a lot of people are always asking me uh, about my predictions for future Fire TV 3s and Fire TV sticks and Amazon stuff and even you know outside of Amazon with Android TV and all that sort of stuff. So I'll, I'll take this opportunity since it is the end of 2016 to just talk about what I think you know, where Amazon is going to go in, in 2017, where Google is going to go, where Apple is going to go, that sort of stuff. These are completely my guesses, not really based on anything specific or any insider info or anything like that. So uh, we'll just get right into things, starting off with the Fire TV uh, box itself. Uh, a lot of people are waiting for the Fire TV 3 to be announced or be released. Um, I think there will be a Fire TV 3 released in 2017. I don't imagine it's going to wow anybody. I don't think it's going to be super amazing or super different than the Fire TV 2. Uh, I expect it to have HDR support. I expect it to have 4K at 60 frames per second. Uh, the current Fire TV 2 only does 4K at 30 frames per second. I expect the interface itself to be uh, at 4K to actually display in 4K, whereas the Fire TV 2 currently still does 1080p for the interface and only switches into 4K when it actually launches an app or plays a video or something like that. Again, I don't expect too much to be different with the box itself. Um, as far as when it'll be released, um, I have a feeling it'll be in the second half of 2017, not the first half of 2017. So the, uh, the, the time frame is right around a year and a half for when the Fire TV 1 was released to when the Fire TV 2 was released. And if you go by that time frame, the Fire TV 3 would be released around like the April time period. I have a feeling it's not going to be then. Um, again, my best guess is that it's going to be later just because Amazon is concentrating a lot on the Fire TV sticks, which I'll talk about you know next up. Uh, Echo devices, we've got new Echo devices. I'll talk about those. And also this potential Amazon TV stuff that might be coming out. So I think they've got a lot on their plate. And the Fire TV 2 is still fairly strong. They just dropped the price. You know, it's got it doesn't have HDR, but there's not that much HDR content yet. So I think near the second half of 2017, it'll make more sense. More 4K content will be out there. More HDR content will be out there. So that's when we'll really need that box. As far as the Fire TV Stick is concerned, we just saw the Fire TV Stick 2 released. So if I were to guess, I would say there will not be a Fire TV Stick 3 released in 2017. I would guess they're going to wait longer than a year to release another Fire TV Stick. Uh, maybe they'll do the same thing as they did with the Fire TV Stick 1 where they repackage the Fire TV Stick 2 with maybe a new remote control or a new game controller or something like that. But the actual hardware of the Fire TV Stick 2 won't actually be changed, the actual guts of it. I think the Fire TV Stick 2 will be released overseas in the UK and Germany and Japan, everywhere that the Fire TV box is available in probably first end of the first quarter of 2017. That would be my guess. I think they're working hard to get the Fire TV Stick 2 released. That's probably one of the reasons I don't think there's going to be a Fire TV Box 3 released that soon because it seems like they're, they're having production issues keeping up with all of the Fire TV Stick 2 demands. I mean, we had Black Friday, Cyber Monday, where the Fire TV Stick 2 sold out on Amazon and got pushed. I know some people are who ordered the Fire TV Stick 2 in November are still only getting their orders now so since amazon is the only place or us amazon is the only place that actually sells that device uh, i know best buy and staples and, and target they also sell it too but in general the us is the only place that has a fire tv stick too and so since they can't even make them fast enough for the us audience i think that's why we're not seeing it released overseas just yet 
But I think Amazon is probably wanting that to happen as soon as possible because that Fire TV Stick 2 is probably going to be their most popular, their best-selling Fire TV-related device. So I imagine Fire TV Stick 2 will come out in the UK, Germany, all that stuff, uh, probably around April, May, that sort of time period. And then when like October rolls around, we might see a slight refresh, but not like a complete new Fire TV Stick 3 device. As far as these Fire TV based televisions, I would imagine we're going to hear something about that in the first half of next year. I don't think Amazon's going to wait for that. Uh, I'm that, you know, gung ho on this. I think they need to get that out there. They need to get Fire OS running on a TV to compete with Android TV, with Chromecast, with Roku, because 2017, I think by the time 2017 is done, it's going to be rare to find a TV that doesn't run a big selection of apps, you know, in, in stores. I think that 2017 is going to be the big year where pretty much every TV is a smart TV. It's going to be rare to find a dumb TV. I mean, even now it's already the case, but a lot of these, quote, smart TVs are really very clunky and you don't really want to use them. But by the end of 2017, I think there's going to be a lot of, of good smart TVs out there. And I think Amazon's going to need to get that stuff out there quick. So I think right around maybe mid-year we'll hear some kind of announcement or something where fire os is running on a tv as far as actual services go with fire tvs and fire os and, and amazon and that sort of stuff um i think that we're gonna see like a repackaging of sorts with amazon channels or this one's more of a hope not uh, uh i think so i don't know if amazon's gonna do this i don't have that much faith in them but i really hope that they take uh, their Amazon channels combine that with uh, I forgot what it's called but they have this like self-publishing Amazon video service that they released about a year ago uh, with that you have the option of giving content away to prime members or you have the option of running ads and giving content away that way I'm hoping that we see a merger between Amazon channels and this like self-publishing Amazon video service that they they briefly released and is kind of being used but kind of not being used um, where I hope they have Amazon channels that can actually be completely for free. So currently all Amazon channels are subscription based. You have to pay, you get a free trial, but then you start to, to pay for all of those. So there's no such thing as a free Amazon channel. So I'm hoping in 2017, we see free Amazon channels where you actually have, if you know, some service provider, you know, even like a, a big network like ABC or NBC or that sort of stuff, if they want to release their their stations, uh, their content ad supported or to prime members only where they get a cut from Amazon of that prime subscription, that sort of stuff. I'm hoping they merge that into the whole channels concept and you actually can subscribe to that stuff directly on the Fire TV. I think one of the big flaws with their self-publishing Amazon video system that they have right now is that there's no front end to it. There's no interface. It just gets mixed in to Amazon video and there's no identity there. So if there's a service that wants to use it, they can't actually have like their own section, their own channel. They don't have a place where people can go in and see only that content. So I think that we'll see a change there on the service side where the Fire TV will get a lot more free content in that sense where it's kind of channels meets uh, self-publishing, you know. Hopefully that makes sense. Uh, that's where I think, you know, services wise will go with, with the Fire TV. Talking very briefly about Echo and tablets. Also, I don't cover them that 
in that much detail as I do the Fire TVs, but I'll, I'll talk about them a little. We already know there's going to be this premium Amazon Echo device. You know, it's supposed to be a good sounding speaker combined with a touch screen. I think there's going to be a big focus on that device. We're probably going to see it as far as the rumors go. It seems like in the first quarter or the first half for sure of 2017. So I think we'll see that. I don't think necessarily we'll see an Amazon Echo, a new Amazon Echo in the first half of 2017, but possibly second half of 2017, I would expect to see a new Amazon Echo. Basically, you know, not as good as the fancy new one with the touchscreen, but just again, basic, cheaper price, cheaper than the $180 price point. Speaker might not sound as good. The device itself, I would imagine, would be smaller. Again, this is all complete prediction. There's complete guesses on my part, but it's what I would kind of expect. I expect the premium Echo to be priced in the like $300 price range, um, you know, high enough to where most people are going to be like, that's a waste of money, but high enough to where it's going to be like a premium product that you're, you know, you, you're proud to have it as kind of the central hub of the room. It's going to be able to control, obviously, all your smart home stuff. It's going to be able to give you information. You know, it's kind of going to be seen as like just the central place where all of your digital life kind of meets into there because it's going to have that touch screen so you're going to be able to access stuff through it that you can't get through the current amazon echo but it's also of course going to be able to do everything the amazon echo can do so that's why i think you know it'll be like you know when you don't want to sit down in front of a computer to look up something or when you don't actually need to get a tablet or your smartphone out you'll be able to use this device uh you know just to do all of that as far as the Echo Dot's concerned, I think that product is solid right now. They've dropped the price significantly from generation one to generation two, from $90 down to $50. I don't think we'll see a new Echo Dot released this year. I think that product will, will survive. Maybe we'll see some more sales, more, more packaging, uh, you know, where you get a discount on like the three pack and that sort of stuff. So we might see price fluctuations with the Echo Dot, but I don't think we'll see a new Echo Dot 3 released in 2017. As far as tablets are concerned, I think we'll see a big refresh of tablets in the second half, you know, maybe early fourth quarter of 2017. Usually Amazon refreshes their tablets right around September. And so I expect they're going to stick to that schedule. Uh, this past September, they only updated the Fire HD 8, which is kind of their mid-range tablet. Uh, I expect we'll see a lot more tablets updated this 2017 September time period. I think the cheap 7-inch Fire tablet that's $50, that's going to get a significant update come 2017 September. Um, probably not that big, you know, it'll probably have a little bit more RAM, a little bit more uh, internal storage, you know, maybe into the 720p, 1080p range, but nothing crazy as far as that goes. Um, if the screen does not get vastly improved, I expect the price to drop. So if it stays with that $50 price point, I expect the, the screen to go up. Uh, processor is not that important, honestly. I don't think the processor is going to get much of a big update, maybe up to like a quad core 1.5 from the 1.3 that it's currently got. You know, nothing huge there, but I think that tablet is just going to stay, you know, $50, maybe even less, maybe drop it down to the $39.99 price point. That would be really nice to see. Uh, I think we'll see the, the Fire HD 8 updated also. That seems like the tablet that gets updated every single year, even if it is a minor update. Uh, we saw that tablet drop in price significantly. So maybe we'll just see basically slight, you know, spec bump 
price will probably stay the same. The Fire HD 10, that's the, the big question because that's their big tablet. That's their 10 inch tablet. That's the one that you, you would expect to compete with something like the iPad and something like the Samsung Galaxy tabs. But Amazon is just not in that market anymore. Um, they're, they're, they seem to be targeting the, the really inexpensive, you know, but good enough price point, you know, where it's like a, a impulse buy price point. And that tablet is above $200. It goes on sale sometimes for under 200 bucks, but I just don't see that many people jumping on that tablet. So uh, we saw it slightly refreshed in 2016 where they didn't change the guts, but they changed the exterior of it. They changed it to have an aluminum housing. So a little bit more premium, a little bit more feeling like the Galaxy Tab and the iPad. Um, I do expect that to get refreshed also, but I don't think anything that spectacular. I don't see it going above a 1080p screen. I don't see it going like, you know, 4K or anything crazy like that or, or, or doubling from, you know, 1080p or something like the, the iPads have done. Yeah, I just don't see that tablet as being a big focus. I think they'll refresh it. I think they'll keep it around because it's good to have something larger than that 8-inch size for those who want to have a bigger screen to watch that media. But I still think the focus will be on consuming media. And so you don't need the uh, big, uh, heavy-duty horsepower, a lot of RAM, a lot of internal storage, any of that stuff. Um, I think it's just going to be focused on getting it as cheap as possible, but at that 10 inch point with having an HD screen. I think that'll do it as far as Amazon goes. So I'll go ahead and move into Google um, for Android TV. I think Android TV will stick around. I don't think it's going anywhere. I know a lot of people are concerned that Android TV is going to go the way of Google TV, where that just kind of, you know, was created, was just left. It got stale and then it died off. I think Google is in it for the long run with Android TV, but I don't think they're going to focus a lot of attention on it. I don't think there's going to be like a new um, Pixel Android TV box released or Nexus. I think Nexus is gone. I don't think we're going to see any more Nexus products. Yeah, I don't see Google themselves releasing an Android TV box in 2017. I do see them updating the OS a little bit, adding a few features here and there. But again, I don't see them focusing on it much. Uh, I see it as basically their, their little Trojan horse, in a sense, into the um, smart home, smart TV uh, market. So Android TV, like we discussed earlier, it's the OS on uh, Sony's televisions right now. Sharp and Philips have adopted it. I think we're going to see a lot more televisions adopting Android TV. And I think that's where Google's focus is going to be. I think if we see improvements to Android TV, it's going to be improvements that help it on a television, uh, running as the OS on a television more so than just running as a box external to the television. I think we'll still see manufacturers like NVIDIA, of course. We already know they're going to release a new NVIDIA Shield. I do think third-party manufacturers are still going to release Android TV boxes, but I don't think Google themselves is going to have a big push with Android TV in 2017. I think there will be a bigger focus by Google on Chromecast than in Android TV. I think... Uh, it's it's a little odd because they tried to get away from the Chromecast name for a little while where they were just calling it Google Cast and the new Chromecast actually has a G logo instead of that Chrome logo. But then recently, I think they just updated their Chromecast app to be called Chromecast again and not called Google Cast. So I think there will be a little bit of a big push on Chromecast itself. I don't know about new hardware. I mean, I think the lower end Chromecast is much more likely to get new hardware in 2017 than the uh, higher end Chromecast Ultra with the 4K. But we might just see the Chromecast Ultra drop in price and see the regular Chromecast die off. 
So that's a, definitely a possibility for 2017. But again, I don't see Google really focusing big themselves on hardware. I think they're trying to focus on the OS, trying to get other manufacturers to in incorporate both the Chromecast OS, both the and the Android OS into their products. And I think that's going to be the big focus for Google in 2017. Moving on to Apple, uh, I think similar to Google, they're not going to be big focusing on um, hardware themselves. I know they did not release a new Apple TV in 2016. So I do expect to see a new Apple TV release in 2017, possibly end of 2017, uh, likely with 4K support, likely with HDR support. But I think Apple is going to be focusing on services. I think they are going to use their new TV app that they just recently released for Apple TV. I think they're going to expand on that. And if they do release new hardware, the focus is going to be on that TV app. I think Apple is going to get services, uh, actual you know service providers like HBO, like possibly Netflix, but probably not. You know, like CBS All Access, maybe uh, ABC, NBC, TNT, those kind of services, Showtime. I think Apple is going to get those services to integrate their shows into Apple's interface a little bit deeper. So currently the Apple uh, TV app basically is just a catalog of different shows. And then when you select the show, it jumps you into the actual apps from the, the networks themselves. But I think in 2017, we'll see an update to the Apple TV OS and the Apple TV TV app on the Apple TV box. I think we'll see an update to where they, Apple takes just a little bit more control away from the actual streaming services themselves and you know makes the interface better for consumers, but basically it's a way for them to actually package content on the Apple TV to where it's going through Apple and not just going through the actual service provider. Uh, this is my guess. I think Apple wanted to do this from the very beginning. They couldn't make those deals. They couldn't basically get all of the different networks to basically just hand over all of the content, all of the control to Apple. And so I think this TV app is just a, a first step into Apple trying to get some of that control, trying to get a unified interface where possibly when you actually select a TV show, for example, from within the Apple TV's interface, you're not kicked out into a different app, but the interface itself actually streams the content still from the service provider, but it's in the actual interface of the Apple TV. Uh, this is my guess for Apple for, for 2017. I think we're going to see you know, their software change in that sense where you're going to see a tighter integration in the Apple TV's actual interface uh, and not so much of a focus on the actual network apps. Lastly, I'll talk about Roku a little bit. Um, I'm I'm shooting for Roku. I want them to stick around. I want them to survive, but I honestly don't really see it. Um, I mean, I'm not saying they're going to die off in 2017 or anything like that. I think they'll stick around, but putting them up against Amazon, Google, and Apple. Roku, the biggest thing they've got going for them is that all their devices can stream more content than any other device because they don't have their own streaming service. I don't think that's going to change. I still don't think they're going to you know, come out with a Roku subscription service or streaming service or anything like that. But because Amazon can actually make money in other ways other than just selling the hardware, it's going to be tough for Roku to compete there with Amazon. Uh, Google is giving away their OS to very you know, cheap 
Chinese manufacturers who are making very inexpensive boxes. You've got that uh, Mi Box going for $70, and that stuff is only going to get cheaper, and so Roku is going to have trouble competing with those devices. I think Roku will survive on the very high end and the very low end. They released that Roku Express for $29.99, which is a great move by them. I think that was very smart. Uh, it's it's more limited than the Fire TV Stick is, and so it's going to be tough for it to compete with Fire TV Stick, but I still think some people are going to like that Roku simplicity and, and the cheaper Roku Express uh, device. And I think the Roku Ultra high-end, having all those different inputs, they still have the optical audio, they still have the USB ports, they still have the micro SD card slots. I think if they keep those two ends and concentrate more on those than the middle stuff, I think they'll have a better chance at you know serving the 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 home theater you know enthusiasts with that higher end, and then s serving the people who are just you know like at a Walmart and looking at this whole cord cutting thing and trying to figure things out. You know, serving them with the Roku. Um, I think they'll refresh their boxes as they usually do. I hope they don't release as many boxes in 2017 as they did in 2016. I hope they focus on, again, that lower end and the higher end. Uh, if they're smart, they'll do that. Um, they're definitely going to need some kind of better like assistant voice interface, I think, to compete with Amazon to probably what Google will probably come out with and Siri. Maybe they'll incorporate Alexa because Alexa is open for any manufacturer to incorporate into their device. I don't know how well it's going to work to actually uh, search their own database with. They'd have to create some kind of Alexa skill for that or some kind of tighter integration. But uh, that's definitely a possibility where we'll see Alexa actually show up on Roku devices if they don't want to work on that in-house themselves. I think that'll do it for my 2017 predictions. I know none of the none of the predictions are really way far out there. It's just seeing the industry, seeing all, where all the different companies are focusing on uh kind of, you know, lets me think that's where they're going with their different products and their different services. So hopefully you, you enjoyed that. All right, let's move on to the Q&A section of the podcast. As always, I put a post up on Thursdays asking people to submit their questions for me to answer here on the podcast episode. We've got some good questions already, so let's go ahead and get right into those. First question here is from Norm Gregory asking, which streaming services feature DVR capabilities? Uh, as far as I'm aware, PlayStation View, I think, has the best DVR capabilities. Uh, Sling TV is doing a beta testing of their DVR capabilities right now. And I think DirecTV now has said they're going to be adding DVR capabilities. So th those are really only your three options. Uh, everybody else really concentrates on just on-demand content. So HBO, Showtime, you know, all of those services, basically they put all of their content just available for you to, to watch at any point. They don't actually have you mark a show to be listed as recorded. Uh, but the, the actual cable streaming services like PlayStation View, like Sling TV, like DirecTV Now, they don't actually have that content themselves. They're actually uh, in partnership with the other networks, and so they can't actually uh, provide the on-demand content themselves. So they actually have you do that whole DVR capability. Next question is from Riddler. He's saying his Fire TV 1 seems to be running low on storage. He did a little investigating and he found uh, this database file for com.amazon.tv.launcher uh, using up a lot of space. He's wondering what is going on there. 
Um, I don't know specifically. I've never looked into this actual database file. I'll, I'll definitely look into it uh, this coming week. But since it's related to com.amazon.tv.launcher, I assume it contains a lot of those cached images for all of that content that Amazon um, you know, displays on the actual home screen of the Fire TV, the Amazon App Store, that sort of stuff. Uh, if you want to clear that, you can connect via ADB, get into ADB shell, and then run the command pm space clear space com.amazon.tv.launcher. And that will actually clear the actual like cache and the actual files that the launcher stores. I don't know if it's going to just go ahead and repopulate, rebuild that database file. Uh, so I'll definitely try to look into it a little bit more, maybe have something uh, more for you next episode. Next question is from Joe Vitale. He says he sideloaded an app, in this case, Voodoo, and it's stretched out on the screen. Uh, he's wondering if there's any way to fix that. Uh, there's an app. I forget what it's called off the top of my head. I'll definitely put a link down below. Uh, basically, it forces an app to go into horizontal mode when the app itself thinks that it's on a cell phone, and so it's being displayed in portrait mode. Um, basically, that's probably what's going on right now. The app itself thinks it's in portrait mode, but the Fire TV, it's stretching it out. So that's why it looks funny. But if the app itself is told to go into landscape mode, a lot of times that fixes it. I don't know specifically if the Voodoo app gets fixed this way, but definitely something to try out. It's a free app you could sideload. I'll put a link down below. All right, next question here is from Nate. He says he picked up an Amazon Echo. Uh, he's looked into some of the uh, capabilities that people have been doing with it to automate things outside of what the box can do itself. Uh, he's talking specifically about if this, then that. Uh, he's wondering if I've ever looked into creating my own Alexa skill. And he's wondering if I know what the programming is like for that for somebody who has a programming background. Uh, I have looked into it myself. Um, there are some Alexa skills I've been considering creating. I just haven't had the time to really get deep into it. So I haven't actually programmed anything myself. But from what I could tell, Alexa skills are fairly simple to program, uh, much easier than actual Android apps themselves, uh, mostly because an Alexa skill runs pretty much entirely in the actual cloud itself. So really all you're doing is uh, handling requests that come in and go back and forth. So Amazon themselves handles all of the actual translation into text. And so your skill basically that runs in the cloud just gets a, a text request and you have to respond appropriately to it. Uh, I think you can actually program it in uh, several different languages, even just as simple as JavaScript uh, can handle Alexa skills. So Nate, if you're interested in looking into Alexa skills and programming, I definitely recommend looking into it. There are a few different sample uh, Alexa skills that Amazon's developer, if you go to developers.amazon.com, they've got a developer blog there you can look into. I've seen a lot of like posts uh, there about sample uh, like trivia Alexa skills, and that can kind of give you an idea of what to get into. Our right, next question here is from Kevin. He says he has a rooted Fire TV 2 that he rooted using Kingroot uh, on the older software versions. He uh, installed TWRP on it, but when he went and did a factory reset, uh, when it rebooted, he basically had uh, just a white Amazon logo appearing and he can't get into the device anymore. He's wondering if there's any way to fix that. Uh, your best bet, Kevin, is to use the uh, A to A USB cable and Rbox has actually created a method and an image specifically for recovering Fire TV 2s. Basically, you, you plug the Fire TV 2 using that A to A USB cable into a PC. 
uh, run this little script that Rbox has created and it actually loads up TWRP custom recovery on there or at least the very core, the basics of TWRP and that should let you actually reflash that pre-rooted ROM. Uh, I myself have not actually created a guide for this uh, because Rbox's guide is very straightforward. Again, literally all you have to do, plug in that cable, power on the device, run the script and then it catches it on boot and then basically flashes uh, what it needs to on the device. So very straightforward. I'll put a link down below to Rbox's article over on XDA uh, where he has instructions. All right, next up, we got a couple questions here from Jason Graves. Uh, first, he's asking if the new Fire TV interface also still requires an internet connection to work. He's hoping to get to his apps without using an internet connection. Uh, it's still the same way as the old interface where if you don't have an internet connection, uh, the Fire TV will basically just go blank and display a message telling you to go to the actual settings to fix your network connection. Um, but you can still press and hold the home button, bring up that, that quick launch screen, and then from there, go into settings, go into manage apps, and from there, you could still launch apps. So nothing has changed there, so you haven't lost functionality, but it's still definitely uh, meant to have an internet connection to get the nice Fire TV interface. Jason's also asking if the new software update supports better USB drive formats. I assume he's specifically referring to NTFS support. No, the new interface does not support NTFS. Still, external USB drives and microSD cards have to be formatted in the FAT32 format. All right, last question here is from Jim. He's asking if I will be covering the new NVIDIA Shield TV at CES and if I'll be covering the device and getting one myself uh, to cover on the site. Uh, I do plan to try to cover the NVIDIA Shield at CES. I assume it's going to be announced there, so I'll go try to check it out, assuming NVIDIA has it on display. Uh, I do probably plan on picking one up myself, but I don't know how in-depth I'll be covering it on the site itself. I mean, I definitely won't be covering the NVIDIA Shield TV as well as I cover the Fire TV or the Fire TV box, but if something big happens with the NVIDIA Shield or if there's something interesting that you could do with the NVIDIA Shield, I'll try to cover it. Again, I will I will most likely pick up the new one myself. Jim is also asking if he should return or sell his unopened 16 gigabyte NVIDIA Shield TV. Uh, he's saying because he's heard that the new one is going to be underpowered. Uh, I personally don't think you should sell it because, yeah, I do think that the new one will not be as powerful as the old one because the new one is probably going to try to compete with the cheaper devices, the cheaper uh, Mi Box devices, the Fire TV Box. Uh, those are a lot less expensive than the NVIDIA Shield device because the NVIDIA Shield TV, it has put itself as more of a gaming console than a streaming box, whereas I think the new one is going to be trying to focus more on that streaming box and still have some of that gaming capabilities. So yeah, personally, I don't think you should sell that that new unopened one if you're thinking of using it, um, unless you're planning to use it strictly for streaming media and don't care about the gaming aspects of it. I think the new one is going to be just fine running Kodi, running all of the streaming apps. Uh, it probably just won't be able to play those higher end games that the current NVIDIA Shield can play. And so if you don't care about those games, definitely get rid of that unopened 16 gigabyte NVIDIA Shield you've got. 
All right, that will conclude the 67th episode of the AFTV Newscast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're watching this through the video version uh, through YouTube, please click through to YouTube, hit that like button if you enjoyed the episode and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Of course, the podcast is also available in audio-only versions through the usual places, through Google Play if you're on an Android device, through the iTunes podcast market if you're on an iOS device, and also through the universal places like Stitcher and TuneIn and that, that sort of stuff stuff. Again, I won't have an episode next week, most likely the first week of January, uh, but I will return to a regular schedule after that. Might have a special version come out uh, with all my CES coverage, but again, not sure about that yet. Again, I hope the holidays have been good to you, and I, I hope you have a great Happy New Year and a great 2017, and hope you, you stick around and enjoy the podcast. I'll still be around doing the same thing, running the site, doing the podcast every week in 2017. So hope to see you then.